Good morning, church. So good to see everybody today. I am Beth Cordell, and I will be your worship guide for March. We have a whole lot of announcements, so we're going to go ahead and get started here. Um, Easter flowers, orders are due by tomorrow. Tomorrow, everybody heard that, right? Tomorrow, one more day. You can look at the, the form in your bulletin, the insert, and fill that out. Um, place it with your payment in the envelopes provided on the back table. Potluck! Woo! We love us a potluck. So next Sunday, March 12th, after service, our church will host a potluck fellowship. Please bring your favorite dish or side dish to share. We have a few fun surprises, including trivia. I know. <laughs> if you'd like to help set up the event, please see Jen Hurdle. She's in the back today. Um, Lillian Faith has a meeting coming up March 14th at 10 a.m. Um, and they will also be having a bake sale. I know, another good one. Uh, that's sat Sunday, April 2nd. Uh, let's see here, food pantry. Uh, the next two dates our church is responsible for the food pantry are March 23rd and March 30th. Um, if you'd like to serve by shopping, preparing, or serving, contact Andrew Nimley. And we have one more announcement that I'm going to invite Ron Lee up for. Uh, good morning, everyone. On behalf of the uh, Finance Committee, Andrew Nimley, myself, and the people on that committee, I'd like to give you a health check, a financial health check of the church as it stands today. Now, I'd like to start first by saying it's such an inspirational, and it's, it's a spiritual thing for me every time I'm up here in front of the congregation giving a message. And the reason for that, to me, is those stained glass windows from the left and right. The sunshine coming through that, the beauty that it gives to this congregation is just so inspiring to me. Then when I come to this church, I sit there in the pew and I look at those stained glass windows. I see the Ladies' Aid Society, Harriet Reese, and I start thinking about, gee, what did they go through when they were thinking about doing that for the church? All the discussions, families, members, Ladies Aid Society, how many fundraisers did they do? How many people did they talk to? How many days, how many hours, how many weeks did they plan and, and work to get the money to do something like that? And I'm sure at the time, it was pricey. I don't know a whole lot about Nancy Myers, used to be the historian of the church, and she's got a lot of information that talks about the history of this church. But I'm sure there was a lot of discussion about those and they were pricey but just think about the money they spent and the legacy that those stained glass windows left this church it's priceless now i want to address those people that have some indecisions some questions concerns about the church and i want to be forthright and up front a lot of us are thinking what's going to happen in june the conference is coming up pastor jonathan his disposition and his future. This church, well, it's, it's, it's historical fact that when any institution has conflict within, the first thing it suffers is its financial well-being. 
And just to let you know, and again, we're going to be forthright, we are $10,000 in the red. Now, in February. Yeah, not in February. You know, even our personal finance, each year, inflation, expenses go up 3% or whatever. Then our value goes down. And then some unexpected expense comes up and it goes to 5%. And then 10%. Can you imagine what would happen to a church if you get into the 20 to 30%? You need to have the doors open, the lights on, the ability to give. You know, you can't give unless you receive. Because if there, you can't give because there's nothing there. So those people, there are people here, including myself, that have a lot of uncertainties. What's going to happen? So some of us are saying, well, you know what? I think I'm going to cut back my contribution, my pledges, because I don't know what's going on. So I'm just going to wait and see. There's some of us that say, you know what, I'm just not going to contribute until I feel more comfortable about my faith, the church, and the direction it's going. And then there's others that say, you know what, I do the direct deposit thing. I do that. Maybe I'll just give when I want to and not do that. Or tying. I'm not so sure that I'm going to increase my tying this year because I have uncertainties. Well, when I encourage you today is to those uncertainties, those concerns that you have about this church, put those on the plate to God and let him give you the answers. But don't forfeit your ability to give to the church because of that. And I also encourage you, even though you may tie and you do the pledges, when an offering plate comes around, Instead of that appetizer, the pot up or the, the cake at, at Bob Evans, put a few dollars in there, even though you're giving, it helps out. So I want to encourage you to do that. And my last closing statement, 33 years ago, I stood up here with my wife, Sheila and I, and our wedding vows in this same church. And can you imagine we were the second generation. Her mom and dad, Annabelle and Dale Goodman, got married at the same church. Now just think, two generations, all the things that have happened with this church and some of the conflicts and some of the things that's going on, and it's still here because we have the faith of the people, and that's what we need to continue. So I encourage you to please continue to give. Now, at that wedding ceremony, Terry was there. She sang. Yeah, she was just a teenager then. <laughs> but she, she wanted to know in the list of the songs that we wanted her to sing. Now, I'm not sure that she, this is the one that she picked because I'm getting older in my memory, but I like that song from Sonny and Cher that says, I got you, babe. Now, you know what? That's how I feel about this church. I got you, babe. And I want every one of us to feel the same way. And God bless you all. Jeannie.
morning. A um, couple things. We uh, had our first staff parish meeting on Tuesday of this week, and we talked about a lot of different things. But one thing we have right now that's kind of urgent that we need to work on is that unfortunately, Ms. Shelley has decided to resign from her position as the nursery supervisor. So what we're going to do in the interim is we're going to kind of just put it in the hands of Jen and Dave and Angela and have them run the nursery. But what we want is we want volunteers. We not want volunteers, we need volunteers. You can do it one Sunday, you can do it two Sundays, you can do it all month, you can do it for two months if you want to. Um, but we also decided to break it down into two different time frames too. So, so you can you can volunteer for 9.30 to 10.15, or you can volunteer 10.15 to 11.45, or you can volunteer for the whole thing. But just to let you know, Jen is back in the parlor. So please, 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 even if you can just do one Sunday, um, that would really, really help us out a lot. Now, you do need to be safe sanctuary trained, but if that's an issue, talk to Jen about that and she'll get that handled as well. And then we are also going, if you're worried about CPR, you do not have to be CPR certified. However, we are going to set up a, a CPR training so that we can, anybody who wants to get trained on CPR is going to be able to do that here at the church. So um, Jen does have the sign-up sheet in the back for you. And she's also going to give you a little reminder note. You write down your times and you put it on your refrigerator so you don't forget when your time is. We do need, we need April, May, and June right now. We're just gonna go ahead and try to fill those up. So please open your heart, see Jen after church. Thank you. Thank you. Now quiet your hearts and minds as we prepare for worship. Teamwork there. 
just voices. which is Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early, and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for you drink sweet to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Please join me in the congregational prayer. God, our Creator, you know us better than we know ourselves. You instilled in us the image of yourself, and each of us is worth far more than we can imagine. Help us to never lose sight of that value. Open our hearts to receive one another and to love as you have loved. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning, church. And hello to those online. Welcome to you as well. We're going to be spending some time now in prayer. Do want to mention to you, of course, if you have a prayer request, you can always send that in to our prayer chain, and that's at prayer at growportumc.org. Uh, we would love to pray for your prayer request, and as far as I know, Margie, everything's going well with it. We had some issues back in the day, but everything is going uh, ship-shape now, so we are on track there. I do also want to mention to you, we do have our printed bulletin, that is. We do have our, our praises and prayer concerns that are listed there. Do want to turn your attention to that at this time. We do, uh, of course, want to send praises up, uh, as far as we announced a few weeks ago that uh, Magnus, Jusu's wife, Mabel, uh, her immigration process is going through with the visa now. We're at the visa process, which, you know, I'm not an immigration expert, but I understand that this is kind of the end. Once we get all this kind of done, it's then, once you get that visa, it's like an airplane ticket. So we are right there, right? We're right there, and uh, just depending on how long the visa process itself takes. But they've reached out to Ju uh, Magnus, and so that's actually in the works as we speak. We also just want to uh, thank every, or Patty Upperman that is, wants to thank everybody for their prayers uh, for her recent COVID illness, and uh, we're just excited to see Patty doing well and back with us and uh, doing uh, ministry. She was there on uh, the other night at Grief Share as well. I do want to mention to you, uh, we of course want to send our sympathies to Dr. Jim Whetstone's family who passed away uh, the last week, and so we do lift up them during their time of mourning. You see our other prayer concerns that are listed there. I do have one I want to mention to you to add to, and that is Kay Carter. Um, I didn't realize it, but Kay Carter has actually been in assisted living uh, until uh, for a little bit now. Uh, she's actually at what's called the Embassy at Winchester. You formerly knew it as another name, but it's in the one in Canal Winchester. As you go past the, you know, on, you're on Waterloo Street, you go past the, the uh, Walmart. And before you get to the Dairy Queen, because you see what your pastor's landmarks are, uh, but before you get there, there's like a weird kind of road on the left, and it's kind of back in almost kind of like a neighborhood kind of thing. She is back there, and, um, and I, when I got to finally found her this week and was talking with her, uh, I just mentioned to her, I said, Kay, you know, 
how long have you been here? And, and she didn't know, but the lady next to her knew. And so she's been there about five weeks. Um, I talked to Kay, and, and I know she's having some memory issues per se, but she did mention that she doesn't, doesn't remember getting many visitors and things like that. So I want to challenge you as a church. Let's send some cards. Let's go visit. She is totally open to visitors. You know Kay, she's, she loves people and, and uh, would love a visit from you. Uh, and I just know that she was um, just thrilled that somebody came by and, and spent some time with her. So if you have some time uh, in these coming weeks, let's, let's make sure we visit Kay and, and brighten up her life uh, tremendously. You also just want to continue to lift up those in long-term care, as we just mentioned, Kay, that we want to add to this list, Jack, Carol, Annabelle, Charlotte, Bet, and Reverend Meredith, as well as those in active military service, Jake, Nicole, Matthew, Bishop, Brandon, Parker, Justin, and James. Also, just want to mention the altar rail is open here this morning, so if you want to come meet with God, you're welcome to do that. Let's go to the Lord now in a time of prayer. great friend, our great redeemer, the great lover of our souls, the one who is always pursuing us. To you, O oh God, we turn to you as a people once again, has been redeemed by this great story, the story of your coming, your death, your resurrection, and the life everlasting. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us as a people and instilling your Holy Spirit that lives inside each of us. That God, in these moments, we could come tenderly to you. And just like that good parent that draws up their children and hugs them in those times of need or celebrates the successes in their life or just wants to be part of their life and know, Lord, that they have always been cared for. So you, likewise, care for us. For God, for all those people going through hard times, may they be comforted by your spirit. For all those people that are just having good things and successes in their life or maybe you've moved in their life and we celebrate with them. God, we thank you for these. Lord, we do lift up our community and the world that's hurting. We especially lift up those that have lost loved ones. We lift up those who are sick. 
given bad news by doctors. God, we lift up those in our community, God, that are lonely or depressed or just are far from you. We pray for those battling addictions, those, Lord, who are first responders or those that are serving overseas, especially in our military. As we're here today, we once again proclaim the truth of the scripture that's promised, that your people would be with you, and that, God, you would hear them. Lord, even though we know that on this earth there are many things to work out, and that sometimes evil does seem to triumph, we know it does not have the last say. And the promises of Scripture of the heavenly kingdom, where God, all things will be put right, that has our hope and our hope in you. And until that time comes, God, we pray for these prayer requests that are ever brought before you. May you answer them. For those that come before you now to either praise you, Lord, or to lift up their burdens. God, we pray for them. May in your own time, may you answer their prayers, Lord, that they could know not only are you the God that cares for them, but you're the God who's willing to act and do amazing things. God, we pray for this church. We pray for our own souls as well, that we would continue to grow in the likeness of Christ. Finally, God, we pray that prayer that marks us as your followers. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
bottom line, we're here for you. And Lord, we bring our gifts here today and every day so that we can continue your work here on earth. In your name we pray. Our scripture reading for today is from 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-7. through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Well, good morning again, church. Good morning. Check that. Yeah, we're good. And welcome to those online. Hello to you as well. It's great to be in worship with you as we uh, are in a sermon series. And uh, we uh, are pleased about this because you know it's a good sermon series when it ends the sermon series next week with a potluck. Yeah! Woo! Now, let me tell you, this isn't just going to be a potluck, all right? I mean, there's going to be the potluck. We're going to do the potluck with the food, bring your dishes and all that good stuff. But it's not just going to be a potluck. We're going to have some other fun activities as well. One of those is, as mentioned before, a trivia game. Uh, and just to let you know, there is a prize at stake. You see, for the first time ever in my ministry, I am going to let you, the congregation, choose what the sermon topic is going to be. That's right. You get to pick anything you want. Now, you, hopefully you're wise about that, but if you pick what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow, I will ask you if it's European or African, I think is what it was. But as we're here today, you get to choose. So the winner of that's going to be able to choose, and then we'll take some other ideas as well. And there's going to be two weeks uh, before Palm Sunday where we're going to let you pick the sermon. Now, I am nervous, and I'm praying. So just so you know, your pastor, we're all stepping out in faith in many different ways this season. But uh, I thought just maybe that there was something maybe the church is just yearning to hear that it would be good and appropriate time to do so. So just to let you know, we're going to divide into teams and, uh, that day, and now I have Paula Kalashnikov. We're going to, it's at stake, sermon title. Is yours for the choosing and that, and that day. But also, we're in the sermon series that we're in now, and we're going to be finishing it in these last two weeks. Uh, today, the subtitle is called Authentic. Authentic. We're talking about fellowship, and we've been talking about this image of the church coming together and what it means to be fellowshipping together, what it means and how, what does proper fellowship look like? What is, what is the ideals that we strive for, that we want for our church? And of course, for any church that is a, a, you know, been faithful to Jesus Christ, and as you think about this word authentic, I always find it funny because authentic was, you know, there's kind of like stages of, of words that get thrown around for a long, like for a while, and then they just kind of go dark. And so like when I started ministry, you know, I was starting to get out, like the word, the buzzword for every church and every church leader was authentic, right? It was like everybody, it was like right, you know, the late, early, uh, you know, 2010-ish kind of era. And it was just every church and every pastor, oh, we just want to be authentic. We just want to be authentic. We just want to be authentic. And of course, part of the, the irony of that is if you're trying to be authentic, then you're not being authentic, right? I mean, that's kind of how that works, right? It's kind of hard to try to be authentic. You just are authentic. But I do want to take that term because there's an understanding there that's going on, right? And, and this idea that you can't try to be something, but there is authentically something that you are. And I wanted to just play off those words with our scripture here today. You see, this word authentic, and I think what they really meant is we want to be authentic in the idea that we are truly a church that desires God, is what they meant by that. And so one of our priorities above all else is we desire, we're going to be a people that's not just a social club, it's not just a, an outreach center for the community, it's not, we're going to desire God. We're going to be authentic, the real church 
at the core of who we are. And I think that's what those pastors were talking about in those days. And of course, that still stands valid here today, that this authentic desire for God is exactly what the church offers and far above all other things, this relationship with Jesus Christ. You saw in our scripture here today from 1 John again, where it said these words, right? That if we claim to have fellowship with them, that God is light, and if we claim to have fellowship with them, but we live in darkness, we can't have, we are a lie. And we don't live by the truth, but if we walk in the light as he's in the light, I love this word, and it's speaking of God with us, we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus Christ purifies ourselves from all sin. It's interesting, this idea of truth, right? That there's this way of light, this way of darkness, and the truth is if we're going to have fellowship with God, if we want fellowship with each other, of course, it's got to start at the very foundation of fellowship with God and being connected to Jesus Christ. And what the Scripture says right here is if you want to be in fellowship with Jesus Christ, you've got to live not in the darkness, but in the light. And this idea of when you do that, you live in truth, this truth is a necessity. That not only this, but like this idea that, you know what, when we're here on Sunday mornings, this very authentic desire that we have for God has to be the same person throughout the rest of the week. Otherwise, you live in darkness, right? I was talking with uh, someone the other day, and they were joking, you know, there's always the funny joke of, uh, well, you go out and party on Saturday night, you know, you can come in on Sunday morning and get clean. I said, well... If you predetermine that, I don't know exactly, how, you know, like, that's not exactly how this works, right? This desire for God that goes throughout the whole entire week, right? That you're becoming someone else and searching for God. And it can't just be a Sunday morning thing. In fact, this is just preaching to the choir, right? Because, of course, you're here on Sunday morning because there's not really much other benefit other than, you know, being friendly with one another. But truly, our society has lost the benefits of coming to church. You don't necessarily, no one in the community says, oh, well, they go to church. That's a, that's a point for them, right? Knowing the community is sitting here saying, oh, you know, uh, you know, there's people working jobs right now making money. There's people at, you know, ball games for their kids and all that stuff. You're here, and the only real reason you can be here is because you're searching for God, right? I mean, that's, that's the main thing that's going on here, that you and I are searching for God. But I do want to warn us, as the scripture says, that, you know what, there's a way to live in darkness. And I love these next lines in verse 8. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. In verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When we live in the truth, to be authentic, there's this other extra kind of thing that happens. And not only is this this desire for God, but it's funny in church world, the power of self-deception. So I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of self-deception and how sometimes we choose darkness even though we, we think we're choosing the light, but in many ways we choose darkness in our life. And of course, for Christians, as you know, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, there's this kind of paradox thing that happens in your life where you want to become more Christ-like. You want to do what Jesus does, and so you, you're trying as hard as you can. And so what do you do when you fail? What do you do when a sin either happens because of what you've done or maybe because it happens because of what you didn't do? What do you do with those failures of, of sin when guilt and shame come knocking? I always find it interesting the human capacity to avoid responsibility. And if you're not a reflective person, it's a powerful thing to stop and reflect on one's life. And in fact, this is the season of Lent, which is a perfect time to do this because we justify living in the darkness in all sorts of ways. 
And the truth, even our culture will just commend you and pat you on the back sometimes for these different things. You often heard it said that from lawyers and from people in the prison systems that prison inmates, it's funny because no one in prison is guilty. When you ask them, everybody was in the wrong place, wrong time, and it was someone else's fault, right? You think about just the characters we have on TV or in the movies and that are celebrated, and basically they're, they have this duplicity about them, right? They're trying to do something good, but at the same time, they're doing a bunch of things underhanded, and it's kind of this dichotomy of, of, of people, right, where people don't actually try to live what they preach, but instead, we find ourselves with characters who live this duplicit life of doing good, but at the same time, doing bad, and never once being reflective about it at all. One of our friends in our family, that is, or someone that we know, I should say, acquaintance, I remember hearing the story of, of uh, the husband in the family would seek out pornography. And when the wife found out about it, he blamed the wife for not meeting his needs. You see this darkness in all sorts of ways come out in people, even people following Jesus Christ. And so I wanted to talk and just list a few of these here today and just kind of think through and just I want you to self-reflect in your own life. Do any of these, do you find yourself living in that darkness? Because remember what John says. We, can't, we don't live in the darkness. We live in the light. So let's step in the light here this morning. Of course, the first one, and you guys know this very well, and you've heard this voice in your own head, shift the blame, Right? So you do something wrong, maybe you're caught red-handed even, and you just go, well, it wasn't me. It was them, right? Now, I'm going to use my children a bit in the sermons uh, today. I just want you to know, and then I'm going to get myself here in a bit. But my children, I uh, want to use names, but you can guess maybe who they were, but uh, they do this all the time. Hey, which one of you left this out? It wasn't me. Right? And you're like, I, I just saw you. Get it out and play with it. Like, please put it up. It wasn't me. I'm not doing it. They did it. Right? Shifting the blame. Of course, we do that in sin in many different ways. But what about misremembering, where we exaggerate, or maybe the opposite, we minimalize something that's bad, or we exaggerate something maybe that's good, or maybe something and to just make it our own way, maybe for gossip, maybe for having something interesting to say, maybe for something, some way of understanding that, you know, trying to get ourselves out of self-justifying things, and it's so funny how often you talk to the kids and you say, hey, did you do this? Well, I couldn't. There was a mountain of laundry in the way. I couldn't get my socks out of the drawer. We misremember, right? And it gets us off the hook in this way, but truly for self-reflective, it's choosing to live in the darkness once away for the things that God has for us. Or the compartmentalization, which you know, happens so well, where it's like, hey, God, I'll give you everything, but there's going to be a closet in my house, and I'm going to stuff it full of things. Don't go there, right? So Jesus, I'm going to open the door, come on and knock in, but you aren't allowed in that lockbox right there, right? This is unsafe for you. And we see this so many times in, in children's lives as well, where, you know, maybe in something like sports, they can be competitive, but then something else, they can't, and it's not fair. It's not fair. Daddy, it's not fair. And you're like, well... It was fair a minute ago when the tables were turned, right? But all of a sudden, it's not fair in this one situation because it's been compartmentalized as saying, this area in here, darkness is okay. Or the other idea of, hey, I earned this, right? So I get to live in the darkness because I earned, I did all the good things, checked off my boxes, I got the things under my belt, and now I get to do what I want, right? 
and how many times uh, the barter system, as you know as a parent, is a very powerful thing. <laughs> but how many times the barter system does not work in your favor with your kids, right? And your kids have suddenly a different idea of what they've earned than what was agreed upon. I love how many times at our dinner table, if I take one more bite of this, Daddy, can I have ice cream? Well, you didn't eat any of the other food. That's one bite for a whole dinner. No, you can't have ice cream. But I earned it, Daddy. I ate this one piece. The darkness, right? We choose it. Or this card that's, that's I have to be tender with this, but the I, the I am a victim card, which, of course, as we know, is very true in so many people's lives. There's true victims that are out there, and we want to speak tenderly on one hand and, of course, make a world where they feel safe and a place where they can be themselves and all these different things. But there is a challenge there with the gospel, right, that is also true that we want to preach, too, is that you don't have to stay a victim, right? That the power of Jesus Christ, the cross and the resurrection is powerful enough, and the gift of the Holy Spirit is enough to change your life where you can become the person who's the blessing to others, even those that have been victimized. To use your story, and that God can take that story and make something in it that is just truly amazing and shows his glory and also upbuilds your life in such a powerful way. We had so many times... Well, Daddy, you didn't give me a fruit snack. Well, honey, you know what I'm saying. Now, this one, I'm going to come back. It's not the kids. It's on me. But you don't, sometimes we just don't want the truth in our darkness. We just don't want to see it. We just want to ignore it. And sometimes that's just trying not to know. Or sometimes it's just simply closing our eyes to what's going on and just not letting it happen. I had, uh, of course, this is pastor confession time, and so now that I've ragged on my kids, your pastor's going to get it right in the face, right, with the pie. But when I'm with my kids, uh, you know, there are times where I, you know, you're just tired. You're dog tired. You don't feel good. You didn't sleep well. You know, they, they, you know all these different things, and, and you just want them to put on their shoes so you can go do the errand that you need to do, and you've told them six times, put on the shoes. They said, okay, and it's 30 minutes later, and you're still trying to put the shoes on, Right. And, um, you know, your pastor, you know, this week, I, I had a moment where I, I lost my cool on my kids, you know, and I yelled at them in a way that I was ashamed. I'm truly, in thinking of it even now, I just think of the tender eyes and their eyes and their eyes watering when daddy just finally yelled at them and said, get your shoes on now, right? <laughs> and I had all the tablets in my hand and all the other things I kept going to, and I said, now, right? But I said it in such a stern way that you could tell it, it affected the relationship on that moment where they, they knew Daddy was so mad at them and they wondered, Daddy, does, does Daddy love me? You see, we choose darkness in so many ways and sometimes we just don't want to see the truth in ourselves. Or, of course, one of my favorite ways is the uh, way that the, has been popular now. We call it quiet quitting on the Internet, but it's absenteeism, right? It's just not showing up or showing up, but then just not being there, right? Remember one of my friends took a job when he was younger at Hobby Lobby and he was convinced that they were the evil company. And I said, Hobby Lobby, dude, like whatever. He was working in the Photoshop and he just decided that whenever someone would come up with the, to do the framing shop that was, he just wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't even go out and meet the customer. He'd just wait till the other person went out and they basically waited till they fired him. Like he just refused <laughs> to do any work. He'd come in, clock in and not work and then waited till they fired him. But in so many ways, we quiet quit. Quiet quit on ourselves, we quiet quit on our people around us, we quiet quit on what God's calling us to do. We show up, yeah, but we're not really there. And in so many ways, we choose darkness. You know, self-reflection is not the easiest thing at all. But the promise of Scripture is that if 
We're willing to self-examine and step out of the darkness and into the light. The promise is, not only does God forgive us, hallelujah, but God has fellowship with us. And that very fellowship bleeds not only from that relationship with God, but it bleeds out to others as well. You see, one of the things the church has to be is a safe place to be a sinner thirsting for God. It's okay to admit that we don't have our life together, that we are, in fact, sinners. It's okay to be reflective about that. Ask God to change your heart. I was reading a book one of, that was written by uh, my, one of my favorite professors from seminary, Christine Pohl, and it's called Community. And she was talking about this dynamic that, hey, guess what? If you're looking for the sinless community where you're not ever going to get hurt, it doesn't exist on this earth, right? And she was making the point of this idea that if you're going to be part of church, you're putting something at risk, right? And you can't put on this front that you have it all together. And, and it's a, you have to admit that there's going to be times where people hurt each other. There's going to be times where something is said or steps on your toes. You have to be a church that not only knows the fact and admits sin, but also forgives, forgives freely. That's the church that God's called us to be. That's how fellowship moves forward. The forgiveness of sins is alive and well not only for us and our relationship with God, but for each other. Let us pray. God, as we're here today, we thank you so much for your word once again, this word that comes from the scripture of the letter of 1 John. Once again, it challenges us and just throws us into the mix once again, Lord, that we are sinners, each and every single one of us. The amazing part is, God, that when we admit that and when we come to you and we recognize our need, it's your power that transforms us anew. And it's your power that uplifts us and changes us and makes us into better human beings and more like Jesus. Not only, Lord, that we could be filled, filled in all the right ways that bring true life to our hearts and our minds and our souls. And so that love could overflow into each other here in this church, where this would be a community so full of love and so full of grace and, yes, forgiveness, even of sins with each other. That people would belong that other people would be so moved when they would see this, that they would want to be part of something so different than this world. And so, God, as we're here and we celebrate Holy Communion, once again, bless us as we come to this table, as we hear those words once again that you forgive sinners, and that, God, if we step into the light, you are faithful and just and, for, and will forgive us as you promised. We remember here today, Lord, that on the night in which you gave yourself up for us. You took the bread. You broke the bread. And you gave it to your disciples. You said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in your remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, you took the cup, gave thanks to the Lord, and gave it to your disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of my new covenant, poured out for you and for many, the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in your remembrance of me. And so, Lord, in these, your mighty acts of Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in union with this offering for us. May you be upon these gifts of bread and wine, that they may be for us the body of Christ. That in taking them, we may be the body of Christ given to this world. Let our spirit make us one with each other, one in ministry to all the world, until we feast at your heavenly banquet. May God, all glory and honor be yours, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, now and forevermore. Amen. I want to mention to you, uh, we're going to have the communion stewards come forward at this time. As they're coming, I just want to remind you uh, that we'll be taking uh, communion here today by passing of the plates.
So what will happen is you'll just stay seated. Uh, the plates will be passed, and when they do come around, you'll just, uh, first of all, we'll serve the bread. Just uh, simply take a piece of the bread, hold on to that bread until everybody's been served. Once everybody's been served, we'll take it together. Then we'll do likewise just with the juice cups that they're passed around as well. Finally, I do want to mention to you, you don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be a member of this denomination. If you want to meet with Jesus Christ, this table is open for you here today. And guess what? Sinners are invited. So come. Let's go to the table together. Get us a sense.
the blood of Christ shed for us all. We do this in remembrance of him. And let us pray. Lord, thank you for proving your love toward us again. Amen. couple quick reminders. First of all, volunteers for nursery, come see Jen at the back. Again, we'll save sanctuary to certify if you need that, so don't let that stop you. Uh, I also want to remind you, uh, next week, potluck. potluck. All right, so come you remember, a couple of you are going to be like, what, what's next week? Potluck is next week, so don't forget to bring something, and uh, if you don't, or you forget, you're going to be invited anyway, so it's just, it's, church is coming together next week, so we plan on that. 
But as we go, let's hear this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his counts upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you.